Hey everyone, welcome to the show. So as you all know, probably, <laughs> attorney John Eastman has been indicted along with Donald Trump in the Georgia case regarding their alleged attempted coup. Well, simultaneously, he's been facing disbarment in California for the same allegations or very similar allegations. His disbarment trial, as I've mentioned, it was truncated by other matters that the court had to deal with, but it resumed the same week that he was indicted in Georgia. Um, Eastman, as I previously mentioned, he tried to obtain a postponement in the California proceeding. He argued that if the disbarment trial moved forward, he would be forced to decide whether to take the fifth to avoid self-incrimination or to testify and then possibly allow his testimony to be used against him in the Georgia trial. Well, the court didn't buy that argument because he had already testified in the disbarment trial. Um, and the judge ruled against Eastman, he, and the judge wrote that he had already, quote, waived his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination by testifying for over eight hours at the outset of his disciplinary proceeding. So the trial resumed. The prosecutor called a Stanford attorney and elections expert first. It's a man named Matthew Seligman. So in addition to Seligman's testimony, he also submitted a 91-page report to the state bar, and it completely dismantled Eastman's excuse that, oh, I was just giving Donald Trump legal advice. Seligman wrote in part that Eastman's conclusions were so lacking in any kind of legal merit that, quote, no reasonable attorney exercising appropriate diligence in the circumstances would adopt them. And in his testimony, Seligman told the ethics panel that Eastman's theory about the role of Vice President Mike Pence was illegitimate. He said, quote, there is no historical precedent. Um, if, he's referring, of course, to Eastman's memo where he claimed that Pence, acting as the president of the Senate on January 6th, could unilaterally decide, choose just to postpone the counting of the electoral votes. I mean, imagine in 2023 going into, you know, the 20 or 2024, excuse me, going into the 2025 presidential inauguration if v Vice President Kamala Harris just said, oh, no, I, I know that the people voted for Donald Trump, but I am just going to myself rule that, no, he's not going to be president. Biden's going to sit for another term. Yeah, the right would be cool with that, I'm sure. Um, and Seligman told the panel, quote, no vice president in American history has ever rejected a single slate of electors. Then Eastman also testified again, and he declined to answer a very interesting question. It's something that I had honestly forgotten all about, but it was like a big brouhaha at the time. So Eastman was asked if he and others had discussed the idea of having Republican Senator Chuck Grassley preside over the January 6th electoral vote procedure instead of Vice President Mike Pence. Eastman said, oh, I can't answer that question because it would violate attorney-client privilege, which that kind of gives you your answer right there that, yeah, they did discuss it. Um, and when he was asked, well, which client did it involve? He said, quote, President Trump. Now, remember, on January 6th of 2021, Grassley was the most senior Republican senator in the majority because the Republicans held the majority at that time 
in the Senate. And in a December 23rd email, Eastman wrote to Trump advisor Boris Epstein, and he said that he hoped Congress wouldn't, quote, constrain Pence or Grassley from trying to block Biden's election. Um, Senator Grassley is now denying having any knowledge of any discussion for him to replace the vice president on January 6th. But he told the press something completely different on January 5th of 2021. In regard to Vice President Pence, and this is where the big brouhaha came up, Grassley was speaking with reporters and he said, quote, we don't expect him to be there. I will be presiding over the Senate. So he flat out said, yeah, we don't expect the vice president to show up on January 6th. I'm going to I'm going to take care of it. Well, as soon as that came out in the media, the vice president freaked out. They and they said, no, that's not the case. The vice president is going to be there. Grassley was mistaken. And then Grassley's office tried to walk it back. They said, oh, no, the, the journalists just misinterpreted. So it seems like Trump's team was trying to do an end run around the vice president because, of course, he refused over and over again to overturn the election for Trump. So anyway, Eastman also cited attorney-client privilege when he was asked about his efforts to communicate with Georgia lawmakers. He also testified that he, quote, does not recall saying that the vice president could outright reject the electoral college votes. His testimony refuted that of the vice president's White House counsel, Greg Jacob, who had numerous conversations with him about this on his own and also with the vice president. Um, so the prosecutor showed Eastman and the panel numerous news articles. They showed him statements um, from election officials throughout the entire country. And all of these statements, all of these news articles said there's no evidence of fraud in the election, not significant enough to overturn the election. So they asked Eastman, did you see any of this? Before you made these wild claims, tried to help Trump overturn the election, had you seen any of this? And once again, he claimed, oh, I, I don't recall. <laughs> um, he was also asked about emails that he sent in November and December of 2020, where he basically gave a completely different opinion. He told Trump's team in those emails that, no, the vice president has zero authority to reject Biden's electoral votes. But Eastman just claimed that, oh, my position changed over time. I, I did more research and I came to a different conclusion. Um, he's also sticking to his story about his belief that there was widespread election fraud in 2020. But I mean, that's his only defense. He has no other defense at this point. So he has to stick with that fairy tale. That is his one and only hope is getting this disbarment panel to believe that what he was doing was in good faith, that he really did believe that the election had been stolen. So that was the prosecutor's case. Eastman's defense finally began this week. And his first witness is <laughs> just laughable. I mean, if it's any indication of the strength of his defense, he is doomed. 
He called former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice Michael Gableman to the stand. You guys might recall, I don't know, it's been a while, but Gableman was basically put in place by Republicans in Wisconsin to hold an investigation, to conduct an investigation into the Wisconsin election results, even though he admitted himself that he does not have, quote, any understanding of how elections work. (laughs) And the investigation was essentially shut down by the same Republicans who put him in in that position. And Gableman was fired. This happened in August of 2022 because he had burned through over $1 million of taxpayer money. And there were some very questionable expenses that they found. Um, In the end, he offered no evidence of widespread fraud. And it was revealed Gableman's team was looking into the background of public employees that was not within their scope. And for some reason they were doing that. Um, He was also making something obscene like 15 or $20,000 a month for this sham audit. And the state at this point had already conducted a recount. They had already had a nonpartisan outside company come in and do an audit. And the recount and that audit found nothing. But then they brought in Gableman. Um, So since then, Gableman has had multiple ethics complaints filed against him. And he has been trying to fight to keep the records from his failed investigation a secret. So Gableman is not exactly a stellar witness. And in his testimony for Eastman, he made a big deal about how Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg had granted money to Wisconsin cities that lean Democratic. He said, oh, that he gave them money to try to help with voting efforts during the pandemic, as, as if that's a big deal. He claims that was, quote, election bribery. <laughs> now, Zuckerberg's organization has come out and said, we awarded grants to all municipalities that requested funds, 200 throughout the entire state. So not just Democratic-leaning areas, as he claimed. And federal courts have already repeatedly ruled on this matter. They found that the grants were completely lawful. And let's look at it reasonably. I mean, let's say he's right. Let's say Gableman is right, and he gave this money to Democratic-leaning cities. Okay, how did that flip votes? If these, these cities already lean Democratic, Wouldn't they already be voting for Democrats? How did that rig the election? I could see if you said, oh, he paid to, you know, to help out in these Republican areas, and then they coincidentally went Democratic, that might make sense. But his argument is just ridiculous on its face. So on cross-examination, Gableman admitted that the courts had no problem with these grants. He had to admit that. And then when he was asked if he ever found proof that the voting machines had been tampered with and manipulated, Gableman conceded that he had found no evidence of that. And quote, if I had found it, I would have put it in my report. 
<laughs> there you go. Um, and then Gableman also claimed that Wisconsin has no way of preventing non-citizens from voting. But when the prosecutor pressed him and said, did you find any evidence showing that non-citizens had voted in the 2020 election? Gableman deflected on it and he just said, well, we couldn't investigate that because the audit was shut down due to politics. <laughs> so he has nothing, 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 nothing. No court has looked at anything he produced and said, oh yeah, there's something here we need to delve into this deeper, we need to upend the election. And he was fired by his own party. <laughs> so anyway, that's where it stands right now. I will definitely keep you guys posted. According to an interview that Eastman did on Steve Bannon's show or a, a whining session, I should say, I, I think there's another week to go of, of this whole um, disbarment trial, and then we should have an answer unless they decide to wait and take some time to make a decision. But yeah, if if they make a decision in the next couple weeks, and then he goes to trial, maybe in the middle of October, because he's one I think that wants the speedy trial or towards the end of October, it's going to be a bad end of the year for him. I just have a feeling and, you know, couldn't happen to, to a nicer guy. This is what happens when you try to steal an election. So I'll let you all know what happens from here on out. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. Please like, please share, please subscribe, please donate if you possibly can. Love you all. Take care. Talk with you soon.